and the refrain that you've had ever since as long as you can remember is try harder. You've got so much potential. You're so smart. You could do so much. Get your act together. Clean it up. Try harder. And, and, and of course, that just drives your self-esteem down further and further and further because you know you're trying as hard as you can. You're trying it. And yet it takes you eight hours to do homework that it takes another kid one hour to do. Or, or as an adult, you have a brilliant proposal and you show up at the wrong place on the wrong day and it never you know, gets the attention it deserves. So chronic underachievement until the diagnosis is made. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. Today, I'm bringing you my conversation with Dr. Ned Hollowell, a board-certified child and adult psychiatrist and world authority on ADHD. Ned is the founder of the Hollowell ADHD Centers in Boston, Metro West, New York City, San Francisco, Palo Alto, and Seattle. He's spent the past four decades helping thousands of adults and children live happy and productive lives through his strengths-based approach to neurodiversity and has ADHD and dyslexia himself. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and has written 20 books on multiple psychological topics. You'll hear more about his newest book, ADHD 2.0, later in this episode. Also, Ned has a brand new podcast out called Dr. Hollowell's Wonderful World of Different, which celebrates the many differences that adorn humanity. So definitely check that out after you listen to this episode. In this conversation, we talked about Ned's strengths-based approach to ADHD and how it can change the outlook for someone with ADHD, his thoughts about medication, what finding the right difficult means, and how parents can help their kids find theirs, and how to create safe and stellar environments for our children to thrive as themselves. As always, if you want to dive deeper into my conversation, please check out the show notes page on Tilt Parenting. There, you'll find a bullet-pointed list of key takeaways, a transcript of the episode, links to all of the resources mentioned, and a podcast player with the episode broken down into chapters. So if you want to go back and re-listen to a specific piece of the conversation, you can easily find it. This week's episode can be found at tiltparenting.com slash session 275, or just go to the podcast tab on Tilt Parenting and click on this episode at the top of the page. Thanks so much. And now here is my conversation with Ned. Hey, Ned, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be with you. I feel like this is such an overdue conversation because I've certainly been following your work for years. I think we've been in similar summits for parents. And so I'm just really excited to talk about your new book, ADHD 2.0 today. You've obviously been working in this space for a long time and have been a thought leader when it comes to ADHD. And I'm just wondering if you could share what things have changed and that really inspired you to say, all right, it's time to write this new book within the landscape of ADHD? Well, to give you a timeline, personal timeline, I, I'd never heard of this condition uh, until I was, I'd finished uh, college, medical school, residency, and I was doing a fellowship in child psychiatry at the old Mass Mental Health Center, which is a Harvard uh, training program. And um, 
uh, I had a, early in July of 1981 attended a lecture about a condition that I'd never heard of, attention deficit disorder. That's what it was called then. And if you told me before then someone had attention deficit disorder, I thought it was some psychoanalytic concept about a kid who didn't get enough attention. You know, so so that's how uninformed I was in 1981. But that was a real aha moment for me because I, I realized two things. Number one, that I had the condition myself. I'd always known I had dyslexia, but now I knew I had this thing. And also that the medical model, the deficit disorder model, really missed, you know, a lot of the story. All the good part, they they leave out, which, you know, that's what the medical model does. You don't go to the doctor because you feel so good. You go to the doctor because you feel bad. So I'm not, it's not, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying it's it's unfortunate that the, the medical model is what uh, where this condition got its start. And, and, you know, if you trace it back, it used to be called minimal brain dysfunction. I mean, talk about, talk about pathology-based. Well, so then in, in throughout the 80s, um, I uh, 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 just saw a lot of people who had it. The, my patients were my textbook because there were no textbooks. And the textbooks that there were left out all the good stuff. So I just sat and listened to my patients, whether they were children or adults. And uh, in 1994, uh, John Rady and I came out with Driven to Distraction, which which turned out to be much to our surprise. We thought it would sell maybe ten thousand copies. Well, it's it's now sold two million copies, and it it it, it really put um, what was called ADD on the map. And and uh, it, it's still the case people don't understand it. But so we did Driven Distraction in two thousand four, then delivered from Distraction in two thousand five. And so, you know, more than, uh, you know, uh, about 15 years had passed since we did Delivered from Distraction. So it was time for a new book because there was a lot of new stuff. And and also, I, I thought that, um, you know, both Driven and Delivered are, I, I think, wonderful books, but they're long. And people with ADD don't want to read long books. So, so I, uh, in, in ADHD 2.0, it's only about a hundred pages. It's all, it's less than 50,000 words. Uh, and my other books were well over a hundred thousand words. So, so this was an exercise in concision. If, if that's a word, it's, it's very concise and, and, but that makes it ADD friendly. So, and, and the, and the new stuff that was in there, and I really wanted to nail down the strength-based model, you know, that, that this was, this is not, in my opinion, uh, purely a disorder. Uh, it certainly has its downside, but it also has a tremendous upside. So I, I say, you know, it's a it's a mixed bag, and my job is to maximize the upside for my patients and to minimize the downside. And it, invariably, you you can if you if you come to see me, I guarantee you you will get better. The only question is how much better. You, I can guarantee without any doubt whatsoever that your life will improve. Uh, the only question is how much improvement. And that's why it's such a wonderful condition to work with, because um, unlike most diagnoses in medicine, you know, I deliver good news. You Usually when a doctor delivers a diagnosis, it's it's not happy. But this is wonderful news. Like I said, your, your life can only get better. If you've been living with this condition, whether you're six years old or 60 years old, uh, you've been struggling in ways that um, an analogy I use is sort of like you've been driving on square wheels. It takes a lot of effort to make progress. I mean, but as a group, we are very, 
very determined, very uh, never give up, very gritty. So, you know, we'll drive on the square wheels. Uh, uh, another analogy I use, it's like it's like being nearsighted and not having the benefit of eyeglasses. So you're, you're straining and squinting and you're trying so hard just to just to get just to see what's in front of you. And so you're bumping into things, missing things, and 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 every and and the and the refrain that you've had ever since as long as you can remember is try harder. You've got so much potential. You're so smart. You could do so much. Get your act together. Clean it up. Try harder. And 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 of course that just drives your self esteem down further and further and further because you know you're trying as hard as you can. You're trying it, and yet it takes you eight hours to do homework that it takes another kid one hour to do. Or, or as an adult, you have a brilliant proposal and you show up at the wrong place on the wrong day and it never you know, gets the attention it deserves. So chronic underachievement until the diagnosis is made. It's a tale of chronic under, uh, underachievement. You may succeed at a very high level, but you know you could be doing better. You could get more done with less effort if you, if you had the diagnosis. So it's a it's a good news diagnosis, and I guess in writing this book, I I, I just I'm frustrated because not a, even now in 2021, most people still don't get it. They don't understand what this really is. They still think, oh, it's a terrible thing. It means you're stupid and lazy and irresponsible, and you're gonna, you know, do nothing but mess up throughout your life. And 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 you know that takes a toll. So, you know, by the time they become adults, usually their self-esteem is not good. And so anyway, so that so I'm very passionate about trying to bring people the the the, the truth, the knowledge, the facts, and shatter stigma as much as possible and and you know give them a basis upon which to uh, achieve their dreams. You know, and, and and these folks tend to be big dreamers of although by the time they become adults, often they've given up on their dreams because they think they're just an incorrigible loser. Well, I, the strengths-based approach comes through so clearly. And yeah, you're right. I think for people who don't know much about ADHD, there's this generalized idea of what it is. And in reading through your book, which thank you for keeping it brief, I actually listened to it. And then I also had it on my Kindle so I could go back and kind of highlight things. But I really appreciated the way that you described, you call it the, the paradoxical tendencies, but I was reading and everything was just like, I had, I was like, Asher, my, you know, my 17 year old, you have to listen to this. And I would read him a passage and was like, oh my gosh, that is exactly how I feel. And it was just, I could see how empowering it was to see, see it described that focus and that deep dive into projects. And then what happens when you need to move to something else and the disappointment and this negative self-talk in this cycle was just such a powerful way to see himself represented in the book. Yeah, that's wonderful. Because that, you know, it really is an example where the truth shall set you free. And, and, you know, when they can, and when they realize that I'm not BSing them, that that in fact, it's correct you know, then, whoa, they can really take off. You know, it, it, it takes some work. You know, I say, you know, ADD is a gift that's hard to unwrap. And until you unwrap it, it can be a curse, you know. So, and, and you know, Russ Barkley has shown over and over again that undealt with, this condition is horrible. I mean, it, 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 he's done the statistics and it costs you about 13 years of life um, if, if it's not dealt with properly. The, overrepresented in the prisons and the addicted population and the unemployed, the marginalized, the multiply divorced, 
you know, just the the unhappy uh, and and um, frustrated, and and so, yeah. It, until you come to terms with it, it, it can absolutely ruin your life. But good news when you do come to terms with it, and if you're working with a doctor who can do something other than just give you medication, then a then a complete you know reconstruction of your life is is what is what happens, and you you take off. So I want to talk about some of the strategies because you do share a lot of wonderful strategies and tools for supporting yourself if you have ADHD or things that we as parents can help our kids with. But I wanted to ask you about this term vast, which you talk about in the book, which was new concept for me as a, you know, you sometimes interchanged it or use it in addition to ADHD. Can you explain what that is? Sure. Well, first of all, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a terrible term. It, it, we do not have a deficit of attention. It's flat out wrong. We have an abundance of attention. Our challenge is to control it. If it were a deficit of attention, it would be a form of dementia, which it, it certainly is not. Uh, if anything, we're, we're gifted. So, so need to get rid of the word deficit. And then disorder, you know, uh, yeah, it has its downside, but it also has its upside. So I prefer to call it a trait. And depending upon how you manage it, it's a, it's positive or negative. So vast, you know, and the two key elements are, are attention and stimulation. We're, we're always looking for high stimulation and our attention wanders. It doesn't go empty, but it wanders. So coined the term that was actually suggested to me by a woman who was working for KQED at the time in San Francisco. Now she works at, uh, where does she's in Washington, but, uh, Carrie Feibel, and and she came up with this idea of variable attention stimulus trait, vast, a far more accurate term. You know, attention varies in ADD, and and stimulation, the search for stimulation is sort of one of the, the guiding forces. You know, boredom is our kryptonite. We can't do boredom, and yet stimulation, then then we're we're riveted. We can pay super attention. So. So it's a more accurate term than ADHD. ADHD is grossly inaccurate. And also, I wanted to expand the DSM-5 definition because there are people who can benefit from help who do not meet the strict criteria you see in the diagnostic manual. So if you're being honest, you you, you can't say, I have ADHD as it is defined in the DSM-5, and that is the, that's the that's the definition is, is how it's defined there. But there were a lot of people that I see in my practice that uh, don't meet the strict criteria, but still have a treatable condition. They still need help. So, so vast is a, is a wide, has a wider boundary than, than ADHD. We'll be right back after this quick break. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites? 
turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60tilt at greenchef.com slash 60tilt. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com tilt for 25% off. And I would think too, now even we're talking, we're still in this COVID pandemic a year and a half in, and I can only imagine that people are really noticing inability to focus right now more than ever before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, modern life is ADDogenic, you know, even before COVID. And then you throw in social isolation. You know, I, I say we're suffering from a massive vitamin C deficiency, vitamin connect. And, and vitamin connect is every bit as important as ascorbic acid, you know. So you throw together the, the crazy pace of modern life where our brains, we're asking our brains to process exponentially more data points than ever before in human history. And then you complicate it further by having us isolated and fearful and, you know, wearing masks and, and being afraid and, and dying, literally 700,000 deaths in this country. And, and, and so... So yeah, it, it's 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 a recipe for environmentally induced uh, uh, problems. The, the true condition of of what is still called ADHD is genetically transmitted ninety percent of the time. But then there's this onlaga, this extra kick that comes from you know epigenetics, from from environmental influences, you know. And, and um, but again. This can be can, this can be dealt with, you know. It, it's I, I I never leave on a sour note, you know. This is absolutely deal withable, you know. I'm seventy one. I've been living with it my whole life as as well as dyslexia, and I've you know uh, 
like to think I've done well. And, and, and I'm small potatoes. There are Nobel Prize winners who have it, Pulitzer Prize winners, Academy Award winners, you know, major league athletes in all sports, world-class chefs, Supreme Court justice. You know, you name the field and I can name you someone who's at the very top who has it. It's just so important that people understand um, and get the diagnosis before they lose too much ground in life. Yeah, and that's one of the the great things about this podcast and the community that I serve is it is predominantly parents and caregivers. So we're talking to people with, with little ones, to teenagers, to young adults. So there is so much possibility and potential for getting supports that they need. I want to talk about some of the different strategies that you include, because there were some things in the book that that were new to me. I do want to just take a moment to touch on medication because that comes up, I'm sure, all the time in your work and in, you know, I have a Tilt Together Facebook community and I would say, I don't know, a good third of conversations are a parent inquiring about medication for this or that, a lot of which is ADHD. So can you just talk about your perspective on the efficacy of ADHD medication or some general thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ironic because this is a really good news story that most people think of as bad news. I mean, medication has a terrible press, uh, which is a shame because, um, Stimulant medication is, is used properly as a wonder drug. I mean, it, it, it's like eyeglasses. When it works, it allows you to focus like nothing else can. And, and you know, all the non-medication, the non-medication interventions work better if you're lucky enough that the medication works for you. And it works about 80% of the time. In my case, it does not work. So coffee is my medication. But 80% is a pretty good batting average. All three of my our kids have it, and um, they're you know, doing great on medication. And, and really the worst thing about medication is most people are afraid of it. You know, in the, in the chapter in the book, I call it the most powerful tool everyone fears. And it's, it's, it's a shame, you know, that, that they think of it as a drastic last ditch intervention. And, you know, they say, well, can't we do a year or two of non-medication treatment first? And I say, sure we can. And I've written books about how to do that. But it's sort of like saying, why don't we do a year or two of squinting before we try eyeglasses? You know, why not try the proven intervention that's really safe as long as you have a doctor who knows what he or she is doing? Um, the, these, the meds, it's a, it's a really wonderful story. And, and yet most people are afraid of it. They say, well, what about the side effects? Well, first of all, all the side effects are immediately reversible by changing the dose or, or discontinuing the medication. And second of all, the side effects you really ought to worry about are the side effects of not taking it. Year after year of frustration and underachievement and being called out and, and just, you know, not knowing why you can't do better. You know you're smarter than your grades reflect and you know you're a nicer person than, than, than the kid who doesn't get invited back to birthday parties because you're too impulsive. And, you know, all of that, those are the side effects that really do damage, you know, major damage to self-esteem, ambition, all the stuff that you need to have a good life. So so it, it's just too bad that uh, a very powerful tool, and, you know, there are people who are fanatic in their opposition to it. You know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very polarizing. And, and, and I, I just think, gosh, you know, just maintain, I, I call myself a radical moderate. I, I have a radical passion for holding the middle position. And the middle position is simply this. 
if if you try the medication and it works and doesn't cause side effects, then keep taking it. If you try the medication and it doesn't work or does cause side effects, then stop it. Now, what could be simpler than that? It's just pure common sense. You know, why do we have to fight over that? You know, it's like saying, if you like asparagus, eat it. You know, then even though it makes your pee smell funny, you put up a wall. But, you know, and, uh, uh, and if you don't like asparagus, then don't eat it. You know, and, and the same with these meds. You know, it, it, it's just it's just nothing nothing works as powerfully and as immediately as medication. Over the long haul, there are other things that are more powerful, like, you know, finding what I talk about in the new book, A Creative Outlet, and how important that is, what I call your right difficult. And, and so over the long haul, the non-medication interventions, you know, marry the right person, find the right job, you know, the, the, these basic sort of keys to a good life. Uh, but in the beginning, nothing can jumpstart you uh, with the power that medication can. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that perspective. Um, I One of the things that you mentioned in the book I thought was really interesting was about the, I'm going to say this incorrectly, the vestibulocerebellar system. Very good. You said it properly. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. And its role in people with ADHD and perhaps more importantly, how exercises and other strategies targeting that system can really support kids. Can you just share what that is? Well, the bottom line is we never realized how important balance is in cognitive function. Uh, you boil it down, that's, and it's a huge major discovery from Jeremy Schmaman at Mass General Hospital in Boston, Harvard Medical School. We always knew that uh, the cerebellum had a lot to do with balance, but we, what we didn't know was that there are pathways from the cerebellum at the back of your brain to the front of your brain where the action is in cognition and emotion. And by challenging balance, standing on a wobble board, skateboarding, surfing, skiing, anything that challenges balance, it's really good for ADD. It's amazing that, you know, physical exercise can improve focus, mood, and, and attention. It's a big breakthrough. That one of the best non-medication interventions is a, is a uh, program of cerebellar stimulation, basically challenging balance. I did a whole treatment with a little boy in China. I never even met him. I just did it by email with his mother, a little boy, eight-year-old named Boots. And and when uh, his mom presented him to me via email, he was at the bottom of his class in school. He, he was getting, you know, spanked with a stick, you know, because he couldn't behave himself. And, um, and, and he was a mess. And, and, um, and this was in September. So, you know, we... I diagnosed him by his history, which, you know, no testing, history, history, by the way, is the way you make the diagnosis. And, um, and we set in, we set up a, a, a program it, it began by changing his mindset. You know, we said, look, you're very lucky. You've got a race car for a brain. You've got a way powerful brain, but you've got bicycle brakes. And, and, um, uh, you know, so, so I'm a brake specialist. And once we help you control the power of your brain, you'll do well. So, you know, he brightens up, his mother describes it. And, and I say, and can you persuade the teacher to stop hitting him? You know, let's put an end to physical punishment because what he needs is, is encouragement and connection, what I call the other vitamin C. He needs, he needs love, you know, and and um, and and that he'll respond much better to than than being, you know, hit, and 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 convinced his dad the same way. So so we get insight, 
we get uh, uh, we change the crucible he's living in to a, a, a warm and loving one, uh, and then we have him do these balancing exercises. Well, come Christmas, you know, we're talking what September, October, November, December, four months. He's number one in his class, no behavioral problems, and he's given the award at the for Christmas vacation, which is a big chocolate as the outstanding student. And um, he, he brought it home and showed it to his mother. And his mother said, oh, great, let's eat the chocolate. And, and Boots was his name. He put it on the mantelpiece. He said, oh, no, this is far too precious to eat. You know, so so in, in a short amount of time, I mean, the, the, the exercises, I hasten to add, it, it, what, that wasn't the whole story because creating the connected, warm environment makes a huge difference. And helping him feel proud of who he is makes a huge difference. But you combine all that and you can get really dramatic results. And we didn't use medication at all. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. And you share that story in the book and it was super interesting, you know, and you shared the exercises that he did in the morning and I'm thinking, all right, how am I going to incorporate these into our daily life? But 
just really fascinating and again new information for me one little trick you can do is is tell asher when he gets dressed and undressed not to sit down so put on and take off your socks without sitting down put on and take off your underpants without sitting down you may stagger a little bit so have him do it near the bed so if he falls he's got something to fall onto but uh just that is a is a good daily twice a day challenge to balance Oh, I love that. All right. Challenge accepted, at least on, on my end. We'll see what Asher has to say. You can do it too. I mean, you don't have ADD, but, but doing this, it does enhance cognitive function in everybody. And, and, and by the way, it's also good for your core. Yeah, it does sound like a win-win. All right. I will do the challenge with Asher. That will probably get a little more buy-in. So you mentioned earlier this idea of finding your right difficult, and I loved that language. You have a whole chapter on that, and it's about that omnipresent experience that so many ADHD people have to make something, and then what can happen if they don't kind of let that itch be scratched, as you say. Do you have any ideas for parents who are listening who want to support their kids in finding the right difficult? What does that look like? Just let their imagination roam, you know, and... and uh... Uh, play is really where you you discover your passions. And my definition of play is any activity in which your imagination lights up. So as long as your imagination is lit up, you're you're at play, and that's where you'll discover um, you'll discover yours. Now, I I discovered mine uh, in twelfth grade. I mean, I'd always liked to write, but my twelfth grade English teacher challenged me to write a novel, and and I thought, holy moly! I knew this was a tough school. I didn't know I had to write a novel. But I was the only kid he challenged to do that, so I was kind of flattered. And and he said, you have to do it in your own time. And I and I did. And one page led to another. And by the end of the year, I'd, it, it won the Senior English Prize, and, and I'd written a novel. And I, and I had found my passion, you know, in my right difficulty, because writing is extremely difficult. But it's something that I, w- I wanted to sacrifice for. I wanted to, you know, and... and um, and now I just, this is my 21st book, ADHD 2.0. And, and, and it's not that I'm ambitious to write books. If I don't have a book going, I get depressed. You know, so I've, I've got to have the creative, uh, my unconscious has got to be, has got to be in, in, engaged in something or, or I get depressed. And, and I think that's a part of ADHD that hasn't been talked about nearly enough, that, that we, really, we really must create. Ordinary life, you see, just doesn't do it for us. Other people, ordinary life is good. You know, you wake up, you know, I'm glad to be alive. Us, it's not good. It's not enough. We've got to, we've got to boost it up. We've got to pump up the volume. Ordinary life doesn't engage us. So we've got to do something to make it more exciting, more beautiful, more majestic, dream big, you know, and, and writing that novel got me to prove to myself that I could do something that I would have thought was impossible. And I've been trying to do that ever since, usually failing, you know, I mean, but I don't care. Uh, what I care about is the love of the game. I love the fact that I, you know, that I have writing, you know, and, and the way some people love golf or something, you know, I, I love, and golf is a very punishing discipline too, you know, just as writing is, but the, you know, it, it's, um, so, so I think if you can just allow your child to follow his or her imagination. And never say something like that's not practical or that's a waste of time or that's silly, that's stupid. Just never shame, never, you know, as my old friend used to say, be a dream maker, not a dream breaker. And and because uh, these kids will have crazy big dreams that you sort of know won't come true. Well, lo and behold, then they come true. Let me ask you one more question before we, we say goodbye. So I talk a lot 
in the TILT community about creating a secure world for our differently wired children. And so I really loved the section of your book where you talk about creating stellar environments at home. Any last thoughts on how we can actively create or support a stellar, supportive environment in our home spaces? Long on trust, long on warmth, low on fear. Uh, you know, you, 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 wherever you find fear, you want to stamp it out, you know, and, and, uh, my daughter actually, when she was 13 years old after nine 11, uh, I was, I was supposed to go on TV and give advice. And I asked her, I said, Lucy, what, what advice should I give? I never get, she said, she said, daddy, tell people don't hold back on life out of fear. And, you know, and, and it's just become truer and truer every year since then. I mean, how many people right now are holding back on life out of fear? And, you know, yeah, some of that fear is well-founded, but but uh, at the same time, if you if you keep playing not to lose, you're never going to play to win. You know, if, if you're always trying to hedge your bets and make everything super safe, you know, it's a mistake a lot of good parents make. They're overprotective. They don't let their kids take chances. So, 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 you know, how to how to create a stellar environment is allow for curiosity, allow for risk taking, but have the rock solid bedrock be you are always loved. No matter what, there is nothing you could do that could talk me into not loving you. And and um, uh, you know, the, the, I, vitamin C, vitamin Connect, and and that is the shock absorber against disappointment, against failure, against because you want failure. Failure, it just means you didn't get it that time. And who has ever ridden a bike the first time they get on it? You know, I mean, you know, if, if you if you don't. If you can't put up with not getting it right the first time, you're not going to try anything new. And and you will use avoidance as a coping style. And that's a terrible coping style. You know, it, it's why a lot of people never meet the mate they should meet because they're too afraid to ask, you know, or it's why they don't get their question answered in class because they're too afraid to raise their hand. You know, they don't try out for the team or the play or pick up the musical instrument or, you know, whatever. You know, if, if, you, if you just can get past the fear barrier and the way to do that is to have the is is to have the loving support um that you know you you know it was a man a famous man was once asked how he had achieved so much and i love his answer he said in my mother's eyes i only saw smiles and if you can create the you know that feeling that when your kid thinks of you or looks at you he sees he may you may be angry i'm not saying you never get angry of course you get angry you set limits you can yell and scream but he sees smiles behind all of that he he knows that uh, you're you're loving him such a great note to end on. Thank you so much. I just want to say the name of your book again for listeners. It's ADHD 2.0, New Science and Essential Strategies for Thriving with Distraction from Childhood Through Adulthood. It is an easy uh, read with a lot of tangible, practical strategies and, and information and case studies and very interesting. So is there anywhere else people should connect with you or anything else you want them to know about? Well, sure. They can go to my website, drhallowell.com, uh, com, And uh, my new podcast will be getting released in a couple of weeks. It's called Dr. Hallowell's Wonderful World of Different. And I'm going to interview you on that uh, podcast. And uh, um, and then, of course, my books. But um, I'd love to hear from any of you. Thank you so much, listeners. I will include links to all of this in the show notes page. And I think by the time this interview comes out, the podcast should be live. So be sure to go check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. And Ned, thank you so much. I just so appreciated this conversation today. I, I loved it. Thanks a million. You're doing great work. 
You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. If you want to dig deeper into this episode, check out the show notes page. Every episode has a dedicated show notes page on my website where you can get links to all the resources we discussed, read a transcript, and even easily go back and listen to key takeaways by using the chapters feature on the podcast player. To get to the show notes page for this episode, just go to tiltparenting.com slash podcast and select this show. If you love this podcast and want to help cover the cost of its production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. For as little as $2 a month, you can help cover the cost of the hosting platform for the show, my wonderful new editor and producer, Andrea, and more. It's so easy to sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash parenting to learn more or click on the Patreon link on any show notes page. If you're into social media, you can follow Tilt Parenting at Tilt Parenting on Instagram and Twitter. Visit the Tilt Parenting page on Facebook or join my Facebook community called Tilt Together. Lastly, please help this podcast stay visible and easily found by subscribing and leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well, and take good care. And for more information, visit www.tiltparenting.com. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.